The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. This is BGN Radio episode number, Brandon? 172, Jimmy. It's BGN Radio episode 172, brought to you by the fine folks at Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN for 15% off your order at checkout. Jimmy, free agency. Before we, hold on. Before we even get started, I have to apologize I have to take a moment to apologize to our readers for okay. uh, something that has been occurring on uh, recent podcasts. Uh, I am totally at fault for it. A number of listeners have uh, complained, uh, rightfully, about a squeaking noise uh, in the background during our podcast. Uh, I, I think some thought maybe it was like, uh, well, you thought maybe it was uh, like a technology. Like a feedback. Yeah, yeah. A technology problem. Um, you, you said that somebody had a review about uh, the, the the squeaky noise. Mills with a Z. I know three in the Apple Podcast reviews, which, by the way, you can leave your own rating and review. We'd appreciate that. We'll read them here like we will this one on the show. Uh, titled Squeaky Noise. I was trying to enjoy the pod, but you guys kept having this squeaky noise in the background. And Mills was kind enough to give us a five-star anyway. Thank you, Mills. Now, I had a, a Twitter follower send me a direct message, Alex, on Twitter. Um... He wrote, hey, Jimmy, when you record podcasts with BLG for BGN, do you have a pen in your hand that you fiddle with? Like maybe you unscrew it back and forth? I've noticed a very high-pitched squeak that intermittently pops up when you're talking about, when you're talking on the pods, and it sounds exactly like when people fiddle with Pilot G2 pens during lectures in college, and... He is right. That is exactly what that noise was. He is right that it was a pen, and the pen that I was fiddling with, uh, as he put it, uh, it doesn't have any writing on it, so I don't know if it's specifically a Pilot G2 pen, but I did Google Pilot G2 pen, and my pen looks almost identical to, I think it's like, I think my pen is like a knockoff uh, Pilot G2 pen. So Alex was actually correct, uh, had, had hit the nail right on the head on what that squeaking noise was. So I will keep my pen fiddling to a minimum going forward. 
My, Jimmy, uh, thanks for sabotaging the podcast. <laughs> you could have ruined the good thing we've had going for eight plus years now here at BGN Radio. But, uh, but Jimmy, enough of that because we have so many Eagles things to talk about. We're at the start of free agency almost, you know, starting the legal tampering period, which is a silly name, starting this upcoming Monday, March 15th, right? And then the official start of the league new year, or new league year, I should say, on Wednesday, March 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern. So a lot to talk about. But first, before we even get all into that, because we'll touch on that later in the show and along some draft talk, I feel like we had to start with the news of the week, which happened earlier this week. But uh, Jeffrey Lurie coming yes. out through, well, not directly, but, you know, through Chris Mortensen reporting about it, uh, saying that Jeffrey Lurie wants Jalen Hurts to be the Eagles starter in 2021. It was interesting, too, because he didn't even come out. Well, I guess he did say on TV uh, you transcribed what he said on TV. Do you have that handy, by the, by the way? Maybe you can read what he said so that the readers know what we're talking about in case they haven't read that already. But nope. uh, They it, have to go to bleedingyournation.com to do it. But he didn't re, he didn't uh, report it necessarily in print. He just responded to uh, a text message, or not a text message, uh, a tweet by Les Bowen. And like that's where he essentially said, you know, in writing that uh, that – Jeffrey Lurie wants to move forward with uh, with Jalen Hurts. Do you have that handy by by any chance? I don't, Jimmy, because I, I just told the people they have to go to BGN.com. I'm, I'm a clickbait master artist <laughs> over here. You know, I'm just trying to get all the clicks. That's all I want to do. No, um, uh, I think, but like we can get into the gist of it, though. I mean, yeah. the gist really is that uh, you know he wants at least for basically what Mort said on TV um, was that. He, Jeffrey Lurie, who also was, uh, as ESPN's Tim McManus reported, influential in the Jalen Hurts pick, uh, really wants to see Jalen Hurts start this year and doesn't want to bring in so much competition, I think, especially in the form of a veteran signing. So I think this kind of rules out, you know, what we've talked about, the Eagles nonsensically spending big money on like a Marcus Mariota or Jacoby Brissett or uh, what have you. So not surprising. In that respect, but, you know, I think the discussion, you know, about this topic isn't even so much just about like Jalen Hurts and the merit of the idea, although we right. can touch on that, as it is the owner like mandating the starting quarterback as opposed to maybe trusting the general manager and head coach to kind of come to that decision on their own. It, it raises serious questions about the process of w which they go through on, on these high level decisions. And if Jeffrey Lurie is throwing down mandates that the Eagles should go forward with X quarterback or, you know, whatever uh, player, whatever position, like that's not okay because he's not Italian evaluator. And his, you know, what his preferences are may not necessarily align with what is best for the team and, and, put, and what will put the Eagles in the best position to get to another Super Bowl, which is ultimately the the goal that everyone in the facility should be working toward. So you may or may not agree with what he has sort of reportedly anyway, uh, thrown down as a mandate. Like you may be, you may very well agree that the Eagles should go forward with Jalen Hurts and surround him with talent and see what he has. And then if he fails, then you go after a quarterback. Others don't agree with that. <laughs> but the, the bottom line is whether you agree with it or not, Again, it should be the, the the scouts and the front office and the GM and uh, all those you know that whole group of people that are deciding the, uh, the the strategic future of the team 
and you know, not just a guy that has a lot of money. The strategery, uh, that's a word that came into mind when you were talking about that. Um, yeah, I I think about the worst owners in sports, Jimmy, or at least the ones we perceive to be, mm-hmm. uh, almost unanimously. Like you look at someone like Dan James Snyder. Dolan, Dan Snyder, um, Jerry Jones, uh, like is is one I feel like you know we talk about all the time in terms of being too meddlesome. Yes, and I wouldn't I call mean, him one of the worst owners, but I but for sure he's he's synonymous with meddlesome owner. Right, in terms of meddlesome in his case, yeah, and you know it's concerning because. There's no accountability at that, you know, for the owner. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do? You can't make him sell the team, really. Right. And I think one of my big, like, one of the first things I did after reading that report on Monday was I tweeted out, like, wouldn't it be nice to have, like, a general manager that Jeffrey Lurie, like, trusted so he didn't, like, have to do this? Because I feel like that's kind of a reflection of Howie Roseman. And yes. Uh, something I mentioned on the locker room chat, which is in the BGN radio podcast feed uh, that I did with Seamus is like, I don't think you can just wash Howie Roseman's hands clean when we're talking about, and this has been a big theme through the off season, like Lurie having all this control because I think, and good friend of the podcast who I reference often Noah Becker had kind of pointed this out. I feel like the Eagles having a GM who is want to placate the owner and very good, you know, at uh, self-preservation is like enabling the owner. Like I, th- I think a more almost self-respecting general manager who would kind of be like, "Look, uh, if you're not going to let me run the show, then fire me." Like because I don't want to do this thing where uh, you're making me look bad. Like let's say there's a world where you know Harry Roseman like wanted to make all these really good moves. And Lurie was like overruling them. Like how, you know, how would Howie be okay with that? I mean, he would because maybe, you know, he has a job and he doesn't want to lose that job. But like that's, that's part. So he's part of the problem too, still is my point. Like I don't think you can just wash Howie Roseman's hands clean. I think this, this is kind of an enabling of Jeffrey Lurie. Um, even though, you know, it's not, uh, Howie's call in terms of how much Lurie is involved, but he could put again more pressure on him to uh to not have that or wield that kind of power. But it's concerning. And to be fair to Jeffrey Lurie, um I, I like he's reportedly been getting more involved since you know 2017 or since the end of the chip era. So mm-hmm. 2017 was in there. And when you look at Lurie's ownership as a whole, he's obviously not like a bad owner. Like you can't say uh, just objectively, like his total run, you know, what he's done in Philadelphia, you can't look at him and say um, it's all bad. Like, I mean, yeah, I just, a ton of playoff appearances, Super Bowl win, a couple Super Bowl appearances, and overall a, a winning record with room to spare. Yeah, and I want to. I want to. I think it's important to point that out because you know we can be victims of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's in, we're, we're journalists, Jimmy's. We're we're big J journalists. We're objective. We don't <laughs> right. we don't really care what happens with the team. We're just uh, no. Um, but I think uh, the way this team is trending, though. It seems like he's getting more and more involved, and the Eagles are clearly not headed in the right direction. Or it does at least yes. the, just in recent years they haven't been. We'll see what goes on beyond this year. So it's concerning. Yeah, and there is we're recording this on Friday morning, by the way. Uh, a Jeff McLean story came out uh, on Friday morning. Uh, I gave it a quick read through, but one of the big themes of that piece was, you know, Howie Roseman's survivability and mm. the fact that um, his survivability is 
directly tied to his relationship with Jeffrey Lurie, obviously, uh, but also their the, the way that they communicate. It's a lot of one-on-one communication. Uh, Howie Roseman uh, reportedly likes to have one-on-one communication with others throughout the organization either, as opposed to sort of a, a, a group speak. And I guess one of the takeaways that um, is pointed out in that article is that it helps Howie kind of control the narrative uh, as uh, Jeffrey Lurie sees it. So when... And, and of course, Howie speaks with Jeffrey Lurie more than you know anyone else in that organization, uh, obviously. And and he has been successful. Uh, that that report says in being able to control the narrative with Lurie, and that's a big reason why Howie's been able to stick around. And I say to his credit, in terms of <laughs> being <laughs> right. here, he's very good at survivability for sure. Uh, I think one thing interesting mentioned in that McLean column at the end was about how. Uh, like, does Howie want to be here in the long term? He has two more years left on this deal. I would think he does because I don't, you know, you never want to leave a job. But I wonder. Like, I wonder if it continues to go down this path and Howie and Lurie, you know, are disagreeing, then maybe it reaches that point. I don't know. But another interesting thing from that story on a different note was the the, the, the scenario where, like, Lane Johnson and uh, Howie Juicy's Roseman... Juicy's nugget in that piece by far. Basically, I mean, it's not like they came to blows, but, you know... Lane Johnson uh, is, like, getting pushed to play by <laughs> Howie Roseman after, like, playing through injury for multiple weeks. I think the, the term McLean used was, like, berated, basically, into into playing. This was um, prior to the Jacksonville Jaguars game in London yes. in 2018. Which, by the way, Lane suffered an injury that has been plaguing him, like, to this day still. Like, it's yeah, remember, remember that's like, that it was, it was, like, the, he played, like, seven snaps in that game. And that's the same one that like he's he hadn't been able to get over, and why he had to have like that surgery before the twenty twenty season, and obviously it ended a season this year, yeah, yeah, and 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 leaving his career, future career not in doubt because I think he's going to play again, but like it's it could be an issue for like the rest of his career. Like he said, his the ankle collapsed. Of it, yeah, the the effectiveness of his career going forward for sure. So it's a big deal, and I, I just think it shows a lack of emotional intelligence. The the word that Jeffrey Lurie loves to use. <laughs> And I think that's a serious problem. Things I've heard about Harry Roseman over the years, Jimmy, like line up with those kind of stories. Not to say Harry Roseman is all bad. And I would, I think the story that McLean said, uh, like Howie isn't a bad guy. And I would agree with that. From what I know, I don't think Howie is a bad guy. Uh, and I've, I've never tried to make it personal about him, but things I have heard in terms of, uh, interactions with employees, there's kind of been an arrogance. There's kind of been, uh, like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, just maybe not the greatest people person. And look, I'm not the greatest people person. I probably am way worse than Howie Roseman. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there are concerns there, basically, is what I would say. Yeah, that happens in every team in the league, by the way. Like, players in, on all 32 teams are pressured into playing through injuries. But you don't want you don't want your GM goading the you don't want your GM goading the players into playing uh, on game day. So that's a problem. The other uh, really interesting thing I thought from that story was uh, you know just anyone in the organization being fearful of saying anything bad about Wentz uh, yeah. for fear of be, for fear of being you know shunned going forward on any and all future opinions that they may have. The one guy who felt I guess um, you know un uh, unthreatened. Uh, in that way is Jim Schwartz, and he was not uh, shy about uh, voicing concerns over uh, Carson Wentz's play. I think the story cited uh, his play during the spring of yes, 2019. 2019. Um, 
and he brought it up and I forget what the outcome was uh, as cited in the story. But uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting that uh, Wentz was protected to that degree. And that, there's, there's plenty to, you know, uh, not defend Wentz on uh, throughout what has happened here over the last few months. But that's not his fault necessarily, this part, this aspect of it. But it's a, it's a, it's a big concern when there are players who are favorites. Uh, the story cited Wentz and Fletcher Cox. Uh, both potentially having really a uh, uh, sway in terms of assistant coaching hirings and firings, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big problem. You can't have players sort of dictating who their coaches are going to be. It just it's just not a dynamic that is that is going to work in most cases. Like if you're a Tom Brady or something like that, and you you kind of want to handpick your your quarterback coach, then fine. Like you know, there's no problem with that. But guys like you know Carson Wentz and Fletcher Cox are not on that level and uh, shouldn't have any kind of sway like that at all, in my opinion. That's a problem throughout the Eagles organization. Is there's there's always like these weird power imbalances. Like Jason Peters can do whatever he wants. He can ask yes. for a raise, and he get like they, they <laughs> right. have these weird things where like these people get into power. Like they gave Chip too much power. Andy had too much power at one point back when he, like there's always like this weird like there's not like a clear delineation of power. I feel like like the chain of command is like messed up. Uh, so that's always an issue with this organization. I want to circle back real quick on the injury thing you said. What's up? Real, real quick, before you get off of Jason Peters, like, can you, like, Jason Peters wanted more money to switch from right guard to left tackle. Can you imagine Jalen Mills during the middle of the season saying, <laughs> well, I'm not switching from corner, from safety to corner unless you give me more money? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah, think people. There's an equal, there's an unequal balance. And Jason Peters is, you know, a future Hall of Famer, and Jalen Mills is not. But they're both starters, and, you know, they can't, like, what's good for one player can't be good for the other. Yeah. Uh, but on the injury thing, I want to say that while I do believe it happens elsewhere where teams, you know, are pressuring players into playing, I wonder if it happens to a more extreme degree here. And especially with players who are hurt, mm-hmm. like seriously, and shouldn't be playing. You know what I mean? Like, like they really shouldn't be. Like right. maybe a guy's kind of has to like tough it out a little bit, but like maybe this organization is doing it to an extent where they're kind of pushing too much because you look at this team's injury history over the past couple of years and, uh, I look at Emmanuel Acho talking about that, and Earl Wolf and <laughs> Philip Hunt, and I was looking back, back at a bunch of other names that I saw for an article I did back in 2018 when Acho came out and criticized the Eagles kind of for that very aspect. Uh, I would just say we can't just chalk it up to bad luck all the time when like you read that kind of stuff. Like right. I think that's you know there's there's a present theme in uh you know, like like how he has to take some accountability for that at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like it's like the Patriots. Like they they got caught cheat. They got caught and punished for cheating like three or four times. But because that's happened three or four times and they got caught, like how yep. many other different ways are they cheating? And then with the Eagles here, like that that Lane Johnson story only comes out because somebody found out about it. And but like how right? How like how often is that happening with other players? Um. So moving off the Lurry stuff for a little bit, I get well. One last thing, I think on Lurry, I I put this question in the rundown. And I think it's something we talked about before, but I wanted to say it again. Does Jeffrey Lurie realize to me how apathetic this fan base is? Because I look at that report on Monday that came out about Jalen Hurts, and I just feel like in other times when the Eagles, you know, were more, uh, I guess the, yeah, I mean, like it just, it better, it, <laughs> it felt like a blip on the radar. Like people talked about it for a little bit. But then by the next day, it was like old news already. Right, and that was kind of right. like, even when they hired Nick Sirianni, I brought that up. It just, it, everything about this Eagles offseason, it feels like they make a move, even the Wentz trade. Like, 
okay. And you talked about that for like a day or two, but then it's just kind of like, eh, that happened. Let's move on. Like, it just feels like this team uh, doesn't totally realize that too. And it's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, depending how everything goes with the vaccine and, and the fans and the stands and all of that. I just don't know that this team really like fully understands how like tuned out in a way this fan base is. Not to say like people are totally checked out and uh, like they don't care at all, but the intensity just isn't there like it used to be. Yeah, you look back like when they hired Chip, for example. Um, everyone and their mother was trying to like figure out what his offense was going to look like in the NFL, like what philosophies he was going to bring from college to the NFL. Uh, everyone was remember that. Uh, what was that Oregon, that older Oregon writer? Mark Saltfight came from that, from that former site. BGN contributor, fishduck.com. Yeah, fishduck.com. Um, every, like there was a lot of intrigue on like, I mean, every, like I said, every day people were coming out with like with new film breakdowns and like what the offense is going to look like, uh, what the defense is going to look like, special teams, what our power practice is going to be run and all that kind of stuff. And there's been none of that, <laughs> like none of it. There's been, there's like a little bit less of that with Doug, I guess, but there's been almost none of that with Nick Sirianni. There's been really nothing in regard to um, uh, like, I mean, you mentioned the, the Jalen Hurts news, of course, like. Like you said, it was one, it was like one day and 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 done. The other thing I wanted to mention too, by the way, um, on the uh, on the Lori, uh, on you know the whole Lori discussion, you had written here. You know, I mean, as long as that's what the decision's going to be, do you agree that it's the right decision? Yeah, even if a bad process. Um. So yeah, I don't agree with the process. I do agree with the end result in that. I mean, I've said this before, so this isn't a new, like, uh, my position on this isn't new. I don't think the Eagles should definitely not draft a quarterback, but I think they shouldn't force it. And I do think they should give Jalen Hurts a shot at, you know, being the starting quarterback this year. And call me uh, too over-enthused on a, a player's words, Jimmy, but I just listened to Jalen Hurts on the Adam Schefter podcast and... The guy is the it factor. Like, you can't deny that. You just can't. Like, like the talent might not be there, and that's a big issue. That's a concern, and I'm not fully sold on Jalen Hurts as a definite franchise quarterback. But he he does have the it factor, and I think ultimately, like Carson Wentz didn't have that, and that was part of a problem with him in terms of failing. Um, so I agree that Hurts should get this year, and they should try to prop him up and see what they can do with him. What about you? So my feeling is. Uh... If there's a quarterback there and you think he's better, take him. Actually, we're going to get to that. Um, maybe not that quote exactly, but we're going to get to something. You know, Jeremiah Daniel Jeremiah talked about uh, Kyle Pitts uh, at length in his, I guess, um, yearly um, uh, media conference media session, and he said, you know, if Kyle Pitts is there and you're the Eagles, you just take him. But he also mentioned if there's a quarterback that you like significantly more than Jalen Hurts, then you got to take the quarterback. And I agree with that. And for me, there are three quarterbacks where that qualifies. Trevor Lawrence, who's not who's going to be gone, pick one. Zach Wilson, who's probably going to be gone, pick two. And Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields qualifies as that too. So I would take him if he's sitting there at six. The rest, no. So I would take a positional player if uh, if those three guys are all gone, and I think they will be. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Where I don't agree, again, like I said, is that he should not be making those decisions for the for the organization, and uh, there should be honest debate between everyone in the you know all the people that matter, like all the all the talent evaluators and the personnel people, 
on whether one of those three quarterbacks is worth taking at six. Jimmy, I've said it many a time. I think I said it again on the locker room show that I referenced earlier. There's too many players in the organization with what I call BLE, which is, again, not to be confused with BLG, very different thing. Um, BLE, or maybe it's the same, depending on your stance on me. Anyway, uh, I would say BLE is big loser energy. And I think a lot of players, I think this team embody that. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that, for people who don't understand of this made-up concept thing, it's basically just like there's too many players on this team like who you just don't like look at them and and they're like, this is a winning player. Like this is like someone like – you just know it when you see it. You just know it. Yes. And <laughs> yes. I don't like I'm not trying to be hot takey with that. It's just like you look at a player, for example, I think like Jalen Rager, who I see him posting all the time. And look, I've done stupid social media stuff in the past too, so I'm not saying I'm above this. And I think, you know, I've had issues with this. But anyway, um you look at his posts about like how, oh, you know, I'm gonna make people pay and like all this stuff. It's like, can you just do it on the field? Like and, like just stop like talking about it all the time. Like it's just I just, like, it kind of, it makes me cringe. It's like, I I don't want to see this guy's career go badly, but, like, when he's doing all this stuff, like, who are you winning over by doing that? Like, I just, I, I don't I don't see it. And by contrast, though. Jalen Hurts doesn't have that. Yeah, Jalen Hurts has BWE, big winner energy in spades, Jimmy. Like, just his mentality, everything you hear him talk about, like, that, he just gets it. He gets it. He has the it factor. And that's a big reason. And, again, it might kind of look silly when, we're here in November and the team is not doing well and Jalen Hurts isn't playing well. And I kind of feel uh, regret for kind of being fooled into just the personality part of it. But I mean, it's something to go off of for a team that doesn't have a lot going for them. I think that's probably one of the most encouraging things is Jalen Hurts like temperament, his attitude, the winning, the winner energy, the BWE. So that's where I stand with it. Uh, All right, let's take a break here. Take a break. Uh, Go ahead. But first, Jimmy, before we go to a break, let me tell you about a brand new sponsor, and it's called Righteous Felon Craft Ooh. Jerky. It's actually not a oh. new sponsor. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you, Jimmy, and the listeners were paying attention. So I was. Uh, tricked you, maybe, or not. But anyway, uh, it could be new to your life, potentially, or if you're a new listener to BGN Radio. So go to RighteousFelon.com. Check it out. It's a local business based in Westchester, PA. Uh, they have a ton of great products for beef jerky. And other things, not just beef jerky. So check it out to see their entire selection. And here's the best part, Jimmy. BGN Radio listeners, the best podcast listeners in the world, can get 15% off when they go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15. So go do it. Go give it a try. A lot of people have done it, and a lot of people have liked it. So Rich Bobby. Yes, Rich Bobby. Um, I Just looking at the sales number that Dan Klausner showed me, there's, just, there's a lot of people trying it, and they're liking it. So uh, join the... The cartel, I think that's like the the branding they use, the Righteous Felon Jerky Cartel. Uh, okay. And again, RighteousFelon.com, BGN15 for 15% off at checkout. Jimmy? Back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 172. Jimmy, let's talk about the draft. Yes. You mentioned it earlier. 
uh, Daniel Jeremiah, he who early on last year, I should note, said that Justin Jefferson was a good fit for the Eagles. And this was back in like February, mm-hmm. like before, you know, it really even started to gain steam like that. Like people at that point, I think still kind of thought about him as like a second round pick kind of guy. Like he, he the hype wasn't fully there yet. Um, and obviously he loved uh, DJ loved Jefferson a lot more than other people did. And uh, so I kind of just wanted to, to uh, preference what I'm about to say, or, or preference? No. Preface. 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 I was like, that's not the right word. Preface, <laughs> what I'm about to say, with uh, him saying, at la- basically gushing about Kyle Pitts, you know, the, yes. basically, he, he literally said, Jimmy, it's a no-brainer for the Eagles to take Kyle Pitts even over Jamar Chase. Your thoughts? I think that's crazy. I mean, he's uh, a I mean, I'm no scout, and he is uh, a longtime scout, and his credentials are far, far greater than mine. But, I mean, Jamar Chase is a potential, like, I mean, I guess the idea behind Kyle Pitts is that they're both potentially game-changing type of guys. But, like, when I look at Jamar Chase and how good he was in that LSU uh, offense the same year as uh, Justin Jefferson's final year there, like, he was a significantly better player than Justin Jefferson. And then we all see what, like, Justin Jefferson did in his rookie year in the NFL. Uh, he had 1,400 receiving yards. I forget exactly how many receptions and touchdowns. But he obviously lit it up, made a lot of Eagles fans mad that they didn't take him uh, over the aforementioned uh, Jalen Rager. And I just see a player that is, in my opinion, like, a slam dunk, like, number one kind of wide receiver would fit perfectly in the Eagles offense, opposite Rager, uh, get find a slot guy too, and you really have something in that offense. Now, if you think that, uh, Kyle Pitts is like an X receiver and he can be that in the NFL, then okay. And like, I like, I like, I love Kyle Pitts. Like, I think he's awesome. And you can just, you can just watch like any Florida game at all. You don't even have to watch like Pitts specifically. You can just watch any Florida game. And that guy just stood out repeatedly during games. Like he, and it wasn't like he was just beating safeties and line. Like it wasn't like he was running by linebackers who like had no chance to cover him. Like he was beating like legitimate SEC number one corners that are like going to be drafted uh, in the NFL this year. Uh, some of whom I believe are going to be like first round picks um, in, in, in the NFL and like was beating, was just bodying them up and they couldn't compete with his size. So like, I get it. I get the appeal of, of a Kyle Pitts, but uh, it would be really difficult for me to justify taking him if you're the Eagles anyway. Like I could maybe see it for another team that doesn't already have a good young player, a good young tight end that is like a Dallas Goddard is. Uh, but for an Eagles team that you know so desperately needs help at wide receiver, I for I think Jamar Chase is the better player, but also the better fit for the Eagles specifically. It's kind of funny too because DJ actually has Pitts three on his big board and Chase mm-hmm. two. So like mm-hmm. I don't understand. Okay. That's a no brainer. I mean, I, I just don't understand the, the 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 use of the word "no brainer" too. Like, I think it's like no, it's it's a brainer. It, it is, yeah. Like, no, it's definitely something like you can make an argument that's, about. That's an interview too. Like, now he's thinking about it and writing it and choosing his words super carefully. Like, it's just well, yeah. he's on a two-hour conference call. I, so you're, there are going to be some things that you want to take a mulligan on. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not trying to, to slander DJ here at all. <laughs> Love his work. Um, mm-hmm. And I think too, I think he might mean no-brainer, or at least in his mind. Where's his right. mind? If is we at. didn't think highly of him, we wouldn't be talking about this at all. Yeah, I, I think no-brainer is like he thinks the evaluation of Pitts is a no-brainer. Like he loves Kyle. Like he, he just thinks Kyle Pitts is like you know putting the team aside. He thinks like any team 
no matter what, would be lucky to have Kyle Pitts. I think that's what he's thinking um, to defend him. But uh, this is something I've struggled with, Jimmy. I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit because just in looking at you know what BGN Zone Ben Natan has written about Kyle Pitts, he did a nice profile of him for Weeding Green Nation. Uh, I talked to Sports Info Solutions on BGN Radio here, special podcast last week, and they had kind of made the, the case for you know Kyle Pitts being not just a tight end, and he can be a legitimate X receiver, although why isn't he playing that full-time? Um, uh, and I, I was So I wrote an article this week about the Kyle Pitts stuff with uh, DJ's comments in there. And again, the, the great Noah Becker, who I cite often here, um, he made some interesting points that I wanted to read here. Uh, since 2010, Jimmy, there have been 17 tight end seasons where a player had at least 60 receptions and averaged at least 13 yards per catch. There okay. have been 198 such wide receiver t- uh, seasons in the same time. Now, I don't think it's a revelation, you know, that wide receivers better than or more valuable and whatnot than sure. uh, tight ends. But still, like that's putting it in the context. And I also look at how you know, the Eagles led the league, Jimmy, in 12 personnel utilization in both 2019, which they were at 52%, which is like an insane number. Because you look at what they were last year in 2020 when they also led the NFL and it was 35%. So, like, you're not drafting... And that was despite with both both of their tight ends were hurt at at, uh, at various points in the season, too. Yes. And they still led the league in, in, in two tight end sets. But I, I just don't want to hear anything about 12 personnel in the justification of the Kyle Pitts pick. <laughs> right. Like, that cannot be a factor. Right. It just can't. Like, like, that's not a real way to run your offense. Uh, this I hate, I hate it, Jimmy. I hate when people talk about... Uh, Kyle Pitts being like this mis- mismatch nightmare. And even DJ said something about it, like breaking the huddle with two of those guys. It's like, oh, how are defenses even going to figure out how to cover them? Like, that, that's just so <laughs> insane to me. I remember people saying the same exact thing, and I'm not saying they're the same players. I think, you know, Pitts is probably going to profile to be better than Goddard. But I remember people saying the same thing about Goddard and Ertz. Like, right. oh, teams are going to have no chance to defend those guys. Jimmy, they had the most defendable offense in the league. It was an entirely yes. stoppable offense. It was <laughs> yes. station to station. It was garbage. It was a garbage offense to run as your base offense. So I don't want to hear like, oh, wow, like teams that have, just have no idea how to, to cover that. I, now, this isn't a necessarily uh, an apples-to-apples comparison, Jimmy, but I just remember how much excitement there was last year about Isaiah Simmons as this like positionless defender. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Cardinals take him at number eight. And guess what? He underwhelms. Like they can't even really find a role for him. Now, you know, I think I would have more optimism about you know, Pitts having success than Simmons in that case. Again, it's not a perfect comparison, but I think like the idea of these guys can be better often than the reality of these guys. And I think you put it well actually on Philly Voice when you were talking about how like why would you you know assuming Chase and Pitts are both on the board, like why would you wouldn't you just take the stud X receiver who's actually the receiver? Right. There's no projection there. Like you already know what he is and you already know what he's, what he's going to be in the NFL. Whereas there is, you know, there, there is projection for sure with Kyle Pitts playing uh, primarily an X receiver role because he didn't do it in college. So like, you know, do you want to take the sure thing? Uh, and, a, a, you know, just a, a stud player already at that position or, you know, like, like I already said, uh, I, I mean, my, for me, it's pretty clear. I mean, I would not take Pitts at all at six, like whether Chase is there or not, I just wouldn't do it. Because it just doesn't make sense to me for uh, to take a that position uh, that high in the draft, but also when it's w- one of the positions where you, like you, how many good young players do they even have on the roster? 
like two or three, four, maybe. Especially, well, I mean, <laughs> one of them is a tight end. So like, and they're not even locked up. Like you know, Goddard and Sanders and these players aren't even like signed for a long time. Well, the other thing that I saw too was, um, it's a need, and it's not a need. It's one of like if they have a good young player at tight end. It's not a need. If there, it's a need in the sense that like they could use a second tight end because they're losing Ertz they, is why people are yeah, saying that. They're, yeah, because yeah, right. But 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 like it could be a, like a need. I mean, it's a, it's a small need for like a second tight end to complement Goddard or come in for him when Goddard comes out or whatever. But like it's not a it's not a need in terms of like a starting player. It's just it's like it's very far down on the Eagles' list of needs for sure. Like I'd have it like eighth or ninth. Uh, if that even, uh, compared to the other positions on the roster. But then also, like, people have cited that Goddard is uh, a, an upcoming free agent after the 2021 season. Well, who cares? Like, tight ends make nothing. Like, the, the franchise tag amount for tight ends this year is $9.6 million. So, like, worst case scenario is Goddard has another good season. Uh, you don't get a, a long-term deal done with him. And you just you tag him for a year, and $9.6 million is not bad at all. Uh, not bad at all price tag for, for, for you know, that kind of player. Uh, poll here at BleedingGreenNation.com, Jimmy. Should the Eagles draft Kyle Pitts at number six? 40% yes, 60% no. So okay, doesn't feel like a no-brainer to me, again, at least among Eagles fans. Um, <laughs> of course, he's watching him a lot more closely yes. than, than, you know, you, me, or most of the other people voting in that poll, obviously. I just want Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. I've been saying that since – the season ended basically. Like I, I just think one of those two guys is the right pick. Uh, assuming I'm assuming three quarterbacks at least, at the very least, maybe four. At least three quarterbacks are off the board. But by, by the way, and the the top three that you mentioned. So I want. What's your feeling on Waddle? Um, I don't know what to make of him. I, I think the the projection, the profile is like risky to me with injuries and just like mm-hmm. when you're looking at production levels and whatnot. I just think like. He, I don't know. I don't know how to feel totally about that. What about you? He's so fast. Like, a lot of people are comparing him to, like, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. But he's small. He's 5'10", 180-something. Um, you look at the season that he was having this past year with Alabama, he was outpacing um, Devontae Smith when he got hurt. Like, he was, his numbers were significantly better than his when he got hurt. Uh, I believe it was actually on the opening kickoff of their fifth game. And, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, Devontae Smith probably doesn't win the Heisman. Like he like they either kind of cancel each other out and somebody else wins it, or maybe Jalen Waddle will wins it instead. Mm. But like uh, he he is a guy that um, that I think his game, uh, you know, some people have said that it translates better to the NFL because of the kind of speed that he has, and that's uh, that's an idea that I'm inclined to agree with. But he does have that injury concern, and uh, I mean, so does Devontae Smith for that matter. I mean, mm. he doesn't have the injury history, but he's got that super slight frame. Like he's six foot and. Like he's listed at one seventy five, I doubt it. Like I don't, I don't think he even weighs one seventy five. So you know his ability to hold up in the NFL is uh, is going to be a question mark. Some people don't think it's a question mark. I do. I think it's like you're you're that small and how brutal that sport is at the pro level. It's going to be uh, hard for him to hold up. But we'll see. Um, I'd be fine with like I I, I don't I, I'm kind of torn on on which of those two guys that uh, that I would take. What is what is your thought on? Um, on the offensive tackle, Sewell, Sewell, yeah, yeah. We I think we've talked about this before. I think we, we talked on this like last week's show, but I just think the Eagles can hope to get more out of offensive linemen 
not in round one, then they can't like they're not going to get a good receiver, Jimmy, if they don't draft one at six. They're just not. How can you possibly believe that? How can you? Well, you how can, can you possibly count get on one at the top at the top half of uh, like there there could be some good ones available at like thirty six. This team has never thirty seven whatever drafted and developed a wide receiver successfully <laughs> under Howie Roseman, Jimmy. There's no reason to believe they're going to start doing it now. I think the best chance to counter that is to just take a really talented guy at number six i think that's like the foolproof <laughs> way of getting it done finally and to me Devonte smith bwe in spades big winner mm-hmm. energy oh yeah he's got that yeah uh jalen hurts called him a quote smooth criminal on the adam Schefter podcast this week i okay. love that description that fires me up uh i, I want smith i want uh chase I'm open to Waddle. I'm not. I haven't crystallized. I haven't finalized my opinion on him. I Hurts and him are boys too. Hurts seems to like him a lot, actually, for for whatever uh-huh. that's worth. Um, so, uh, but I did want to mention quarterback here too, because uh, the Eagles are attending Trey Lance's pro day. Uh, Shane Steichen, Steichen, and uh, Brian Johnson, and Johnson, the quarterback, yeah. offense coordinator, and quarterbacks coach respectively are going to be attending. I mean. This shouldn't be a surprise. Of course. Of course they're going to attend that. Like, like, there's no doubt. Of course they're going to attend that. It doesn't mean they're drafting no a question. quarterback either. Like, yes. I think some people are Of course are like, they're going to attend that pro day. No doubt. That will, Well, that one especially. Well, first of all, I think they're going to do their homework on all the quarterbacks. Even if yes. they – like, because even if they don't play in the draft one, you would still do the homework on it like to know because they might be there at six and you have a decision to make. And – you, they can end up in your division, and any info, info you have on them is 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 useful. Like, what if what if he falls to like the the football team, for example? Yep. Or what if he's a free agent down the line, and you you right. know, or, or he's available, and you want to think about adding him? You want to have a you know a base of knowledge to kind of go off of, and especially for a player who played at the FCS level and had I have the numbers here like three hundred something pass attempts. <laughs> like yes. that's crazy when you look yeah, at like a big a big a big knock on Wentz when he came out was that he had so few pass attempts and I think he had like six I think it was six eighty one was the number okay. it's like etched into my brain and Hertz has like half of that basically <laughs> Lance you mean or not Hertz I'm sorry uh, Trey Lance has like half of that Lance has three eighteen Jimmy three eighteen now let me put that yeah. in context and those are again this is FCS level pass attempts. Like, look at the other top quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, 1,138. Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. 837. Justin Fields, 618. Even Mac Jones. Those are all even pretty low. They're, they're, they're pretty low, too. Comparatively. But, Ma- but even still, like, they, they're all almost like double <laughs> fields. Yes. And even Mac Jones, who, you know, was he had, what, like one and a half seasons at the start? He had 556. Uh-huh. And that's in the SEC, okay. you know, compared to 318 in the FCS. Uh, <laughs> so play in Montana State. It, it's just wild. I just... I can't see how they take him at number six. I said it before. There's just too, like there's too much unknown to possibly take him at six. Like you just, how could you possibly look at Trey Lance and like feel comfortable about what he's going to be in the end? You can't. You're lying. You're 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 kidding yourselves. If you can, if you can look at his profile and confidently say this is a player who's going to be good, you can say like we see some traits here, we see some tools that we like, but you can't be like, oh, he's definitely going to turn out into this. Yeah, he's Josh Allen. Like he, Josh Allen had a lot of problems um, at Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming when when he was coming out, like horrible accuracy issues. Like his his completion percentage was awful. Um, the last, I think, it was, I don't remember if it was over his full career, Wyoming, or just late in his career. But it was a big concern coming out, and then it was a it, like we saw that happen in his first two years in the NFL, and it took some time for him to develop. So if you think you can, if you think that Trey Lance can or yeah can be 
that guy, then I can understand why you would take him at six. Um, but like you said, there are so like he Josh, Josh Allen played far more in college than Trey Lance did. <laughs> like he had, he had, you know, I, I just, I'll just, I'll, I'll look up his, I'll look it up real quick. Josh Allen college stats. And that's my dog barking, uh, coughing in the background. Yeah. So he had, okay. 649. He had two full seasons as a starter at Wyoming. His completion percentages were, Ooh, 56%. And then, uh, 56.3. Awful. So anyway, uh, he he was able to fix that and turn around the NFL. So if you have like what you think is a support system that you can turn Trey Lance into, you know, like a great pro quarterback because of the tools that he has, you have to be very confident that he has the mindset uh, to want to be that guy too, like Josh Allen proved that he was. And to that note, just to to wrap this up before we go to break, I think that's huge. I've said that too, like just – like I, I talked about it with Hertz earlier, like scouting a quarterback's character is going to be huge and such a, such a part of the evaluation we're not going to be privy to. Yes. Um, so it's kind of hard. Like when we talk about our rankings and stuff like that, cause that, I mean, <laughs> right. that's, that's disqualifying. Like if, if it's bad, if it comes out in the bad end and it, I don't care, I'm just like the guy could be super talented. If the mindset isn't there, like that's an issue on the surface. Andre Dillard felt like a steal at 20 something. <laughs> And then he wasn't. And now people are talking about <laughs> trading him to the Chiefs, which is just, right. I don't think the Chiefs are going to come calling for Andre Dillard. And, <laughs> I don't think so. Either. And the Eagles aren't getting it first if they if that does happen. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, what, 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 what do you think they, think they could get for him? A th- four. I think they could get like a six. Okay. <laughs> See, I was optimistic on it, too. All right, Jimmy, let's hear it. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, well... We'll do the jingle in a bit, I guess. But uh, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors um, is the greatest. 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, it's a particularly good time to sell your home. If you're thinking about doing that, the market is out of control. Seller's market right now. Um, Any listing that Kristen has gotten has sold like really immediately. And like viewings, showings offers like pile in and it's not because necessarily uh, i mean she's great and everything but that's happening with pretty much any house that's being put up for sale these days but she has been able to get you know ridiculous sort of returns for uh, a lot of the clients that she's sold houses for if you're looking to buy a house right now eh, maybe wait a little bit on that one (laughs) it's just not a good time to to buy a house but you're looking to sell uh certainly uh now is the time to do that 856 Nine zero six nine two nine five, and here's me and my daughter. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. Eight five six nine zero oh, six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine zero oh, six. Nine two nine five nine two nine five. Back here on BGN Radio, episode one seventy two. Jimmy, the Eagles are coming up here on free agency. They've been clearing some cap space with various restructures. As of we're recording this on Friday, March twelfth at ten thirteen a.m. I think I have them around like seven or sorry. 
$27.6 million over the cap still. That's before counting the Brandon Graham and Lane Johnson restructures, which we haven't actually heard the details of those yet. A couple yet. other small ones, too, like Isaac Sayamalo, um, uh, Javon Hargrave. Those came out this week, so. yes. And then, obviously, we'll see what happens with Zach Hurts in terms of cutting him or what happens. So there's, there's, they're going to get under the cap, obviously, before Derek the start Barnett of Derek Barnett is going to be either extended or they'll, they'll do something with him. I can't imagine they go into the season just paying his fifth year option. So they might have about like 20 million or around there. I think depending on all what they do, of course. Um, I want to mention here first, like, so I think some people see that and the reaction is like, Oh, the cap is a myth. You know, they, there's no cap problems. <laughs> right. uh, there's a downside to restructuring and it's that you're pushing this <laughs> right. money in the future years. And now I get that the cap is projected to explode in the future. So, you know, it's not going to be like the end of the world. They're not going to run out of cap space. That's never the argument. The argument is that they're going to have less than their competitors and they're pushing money into the future, which is, I mean, they have to because of the situation they're in, but it's not ideal. It's, and it's not like a, it's not a, a free lunch is the term you use. Like right. they're paying for this down the line. It's going to be harder now to move on from Darius Slay. Like if he, if he stinks, if he's, he's a great example, if he stunk this year in 2021, the Eagles could have gotten rid of him easy after this year. Like he could have been gone. But now, because they had to restructure his deal, they can't. If he stinks this year, they're stuck with him for another season. So, like, that's the risk you're taking on. And, and it might, you know, Slay might be great. I don't know. I'm not saying he's definitely going to be bad. But I'm saying there is risk involved. It's not just like, oh, there's no risk. It's just easy. It doesn't work like that. His cap numbers in the next two years, so 2022, $22 million. $22 million and change. And then 2023, it's $23 million and change. So what you're doing is you're taking basically bad contracts this year and you're making him worse <laughs> down the road is basically what they're doing. So all these restructures, they're necessary. Like they have to do them yes. to get under the cap. They would not do these otherwise. Like they you can clear cap space all day. Like and and you know get compl- cap compliant. But all your like that's where the the phrase kicking the can down the road comes from. Like you're just piling on uh, you're making, like I said, like bad contracts that are that you're making a lot worse uh, in the future, and that's all they're doing right now. And and like you said, all it's all it's doing is, I mean, the 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 cap is going to go up, and they're going to have a little bit more to, to room to maneuver next off season for sure. But um, this year they can't do any. They're, they're going to be very very limited with what they're able to do in free agency, and they're going to be they're going to be limited next year too because, like you said. Um, most of the teams are most, if not all, I wouldn't say all, but there's going to be, there'll be among a handful of teams that, um, uh, th- there's only going to be a small handful of teams that are in worse cap situation next year, uh, than the Eagles are. And by the way, that was like one of the more annoying things that I thought came out of, um, Jeffrey Lurie's press conference at the end of the year, where he was like, anyone who knows anything about the cap, uh, knows that you can fix it within 12 months. Well, no, I mean, that's, that's not, it's not accurate at all. Like they're, they're going to have a ton of bad contracts next year and they're not going to be in a position to sign. Like you look at the Giants, for example, the Giants have like the worst record in the NFL over the last four years. And they're still in bad cap situation because of some of the horrible decisions they've been making along the way and, and some of the bad contracts they've been pushing down the line. Um, so the Eagles are sort of on that track. I don't know if they're going to be as bad as the Giants were and for as long as the Giants have been bad. But uh, certainly it's, it's not going to be a situation where, you know, everything's fine and good in 2022 going, and going forward. Yeah, it, it matters. You can't just be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, no, it does matter. 
Uh, another thing in talking about the Chiefs just cut both of their starting offensive tackles. Yeah, the Saints have. Like there, are, there are repercussions. The Saints are cutting like half their team. Like there are repercussions for for not staying uh, cap healthy. The Eagles are getting rid of Zach Ertz. Like that's significant. I mean, that's like, like you know. Like, let's say if they the Eagles traded Carson Wentz partly because they could just rip off the band aid in 2022 going forward. Yeah, it's like it's caused major decisions. It's not like, oh, we just, you know, made some easy moves and <laughs> right. here we are. Right. Uh, it, th- these moves are not, the, the bottom line is these are moves that are not to be celebrated in any way. Brandon Brooks trade is something that came up earlier this week, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I don't think, so here's what I, here's what I said to Seamus on Locker Room. I, it totally hit me that there was a purpose now to the Eagles activating Brandon Brooks off of PUP at the end of last season. And I yes. believe uh, <laughs> this is right. why. Not because... like he pra- Just so everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. They activated him and he, he practiced with the team. Did they Actually, they didn't activate him. They just started the three-week the, window. The window. They activated the practice window. Yeah. And he practiced with it. He did some things. He didn't practice Individual with the Individual drills. Really, but, he, but he did some things with the team uh, at the end of the season. And people were like, "What's the point of that?" Yep, I th- and myself included. Oh, I thought I, mean, it, I still think that's. I think I still think it's silly. I thought it might have been like a goodwill thing at a time where, like, you know, it was a terrible season, <laughs> a lot of negative stuff right. out there. I thought it might have been like one thing that they were trying to like have a positive thing in the news cycle, <laughs> right. but I don't think it was that. I think it was more so. It was, about, it was like when they they would give Brian Dawkins another promotion <laughs> yes. every time. There, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. I think they're. I don't. I think more likely than not, Brandon Brooks will be on the the roster, the Eagles roster this season. But I don't think that trade thing is like BS and coming out of nowhere. I think they would like to trade him if they can. Like yeah. if they had their druthers, I think it's a good word by the way. Uh, if they if they had their preference, they would trade him for a value that obviously they would be comfortable with. I'm thinking day two pick. I think is what they you know really like to get out of that. It would have to. Yeah, it'd have to be because it's a big cap hit. So like the dead money hit that they would take by trading him is twelve point uh, 12.25 million. Um, yeah, I rounded up. So they, and they'd only save two point three million. So you better be getting something good in return if you're going to deal him because there's there's no other reason otherwise. If you traded him after June first, you know it would be uh, ten point five. They would clear. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a more of an immediate savings, but right. you're still like like you said earlier, there's no free lunches. You're that you're getting that cap hit, correct? Uh, whether it's this year or, or this year and next year. So I just think it, it's I don't think it's crazy. I mean I love Brandon Brooks. I want him to be on the Eagles forever. I think why it's realistic is because this is a guy who I believe is going to be playing his age 32 season. He is coming off three major injuries since January 2019. That's an Achilles in each of his legs and then a separated shoulder injury at the end of the 2019 season. Um, This is a guy who, much to Brandon Brooks' credit, uh, has interest outside of football, clearly, and I think he's a very intelligent, especially intelligent uh, guy. And I could just see him walking away from the game, you know, earlier. Certainly, he's not going to be playing as long as Jason Peters is, just for example. I mean, who yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't even think anything close to that. Uh, just because I think, you know, he cares about life outside of football. Um, so, again, I'm not going to say it's likely. But it's it, there's more than, like, uh, it's not, like, just total made-up you know, drivel that came out of nowhere. Really good guy. And, you know, heroically, of course, um publicly battled anxiety was very upfront and honest about everything that he went through um i think a lot of people that have anxiety uh look up to him as um as sort of a 
I don't know. They look up to him. It's <laughs> probably the easy way to say it. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 but you're not going to trade him for anything uh, just just kind of decent. Like you better get a good return for him if you're gonna if you're gonna trade him away. Yeah, you're not moving him just to move him. And he's gonna he's gonna help. He would help absolutely help a uh, contending team for sure if he can stay healthy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and if he's the same player after all these injuries, which I would not bet against Brandon Brooks to be clear. But I'm just you know I'm just acknowledging there is risk. Uh, Okay, so the, free- the speed with which he came back from that first Achilles tear though was crazy. It was like being able to play week one uh, that that next season because he got hurt in the playoff game against the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> he came, he started the week one, which is crazy. He came back that quickly and like and I don't like he didn't play all the snaps in that first game, but from week two on he started and played like every snap, which is nuts that he was and 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 like at a super high level. So if there is one guy that like I wouldn't, I mean the injury history is really troubling. But if there is one guy that I would not bet against in terms of getting himself ready for the season, it's him. I just said that, Jimmy. You just repeated what I said. It's okay. Uh, will the Eagles sign a bigger free agent name than expected, Jimmy? Maybe. Um, and who? I don't know about who, but oh, we did prepare I mean, for the like, podcast. So, here. so, so I, <laughs> so I've done four of these. Uh, you know, three free agents that make sense for the Eagles versions one, two, three, and four. And um, I have like almost no big names on there at all. Like the, I have some recognizable names like Gary and Conley, but I don't think he's going to be like a. You know, I don't think he's going to be like going to break the bank at free agency i would say the one guy that i think has a good chance of making some decent money in free agency is uh i forget his name was oh jayon brown the linebacker <laughs> so great start from, you forget his name okay. from, the, from the titans uh, i think he's actually doing a do okay in free agency but the argument for them being able to sign a guy in free agency is they could just give him a big signing bonus up front and then you can stretch that signing bonus over the course of the uh, contract so basically what would happen is the first year of the contract would be a, a pretty small cap hit. So they, if they wanted to, they could sign guys in free agency and do that. But again, it's, you're just kind of uh, <laughs> loading up uh, uh, your 2022 and 2023 cap numbers uh, with, with players. So I don't know if it's really the, the right tact. I think you know, maybe next offseason is the time where they should be investing in you know, these, these better free agents. But they're not going to sit on the sidelines. Like, they're absolutely going to sign some players. It's just more likely that they sign... Uh, sort of more low cost guys. Yeah, the danger of doing the low year one cap hit thing is like, okay, a lot of times NFL contracts are not like that because, or at least not totally like that, because you want to be able to get out of that deal down the road. Yes, right, right. So right. when you make the low cap hit year one, then you're not really able to easily get out of that as much down the road. Um, and they're already riskier too because you don't know the player. Because you don't know the player, and because again, you're kind of already doing that with some of these restructures elsewhere in your roster. Like you're already making it harder to move on, like we just talked about from Slay and other guys. So, so really, like you're you're really locking yourself in. Like you're not you're not you're decreasing your flexibility. And if you make a good signing, then that's fine. And I think someone, if you could get him, which I don't think the Eagles can, because I think his market is going to exceed what both what the realistically the Eagles can pay and also what they can offer in terms of like. Uh, established starting quarterback, and that's like Kenny 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 Galladay. I don't know why it took me a couple times to say that, but like that's a name. You know, I think that would you know be like a big splash and kind of could surprise and be feasible just from a need standpoint too. Needing to get someone uh, locked in there, 
I still go back to like an Eric Wilson, maybe. You know, we talked about when we did our free agency target oh, right. draft. linebacker uh, Vikings. Yeah. yeah, although I guess I I don't know if the Eagles are really gonna you know put money into linebacker given their their philosophy on it. But I mean, like they have to do more than they did there in previous years. Like they just have to. They have to do like something because they, they have nothing there other than really Alex Singleton. Um, so I think one of the under the under or the one of the overlooked positions that they sort of need to address in free agency is defensive tackle uh, for two reasons. One. Okay. I mean, Malik Jackson is as good as gone, and then um, Hassan Ridgeway probably as good as gone because of his injury history. Should be, yeah. So their third, de- their third defensive tackle right now is T.Y. McGill. So, like, you know, I think they probably sign. I mean, they need four of them. So, um, and they may think they need, you know, someone better than McGill. Maybe I don't know, but um, I do think that. And and the defensive tackle class in this draft stinks. So. If there is a position that they maybe spend a little bit on again after spending a big money on Malik Jackson uh, two years ago and then Javon Hargrave this past year, <laughs> they might go back to that well again, which I which is sure to infuriate fans, and I don't blame them. I want the Eagles, Jimmy, to like make a shrewd signing for once. When is the last time they really did that? Like, <laughs> When's the last time they did something in free agency? Patrick Robinson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, 20, the 2017 class, Chris Chris Long, Patrick Robinson, Garrett Blunt. Uh, I, like, I even thought like Corey Graham was a good signing then, then. as opposed to later when they kept signing him. Um, a bunch of others. I mean, you could go down the list of, of the guys they signed during that offseason. I mean, Howie was let, – let's credit where it's due. Howie was on fire that year. But since then, like – they have not made any kinds of like they've been terrible in the draft, and they have not made those kinds of signings in free agency. So, over the cap did a free agent success rate study from 2017 to 2020. Uh, it's on overthecap.com, okay. and I'm looking at this chart here. Uh, and the Eagles are in the bottom left quadrant of annual contract value of free agent signings and percent of possible contract years completed. Um, you can go look at it; it'll make more sense if you look at it yourself, but. The gist of why I'm bringing this up is, quote, the worst returns on investments thus far are the Cowboys, Bengals, Texans, Eagles, and Vikings. So mm, that's the- and, and it includes 2017, huh? Yeah, it does. Okay. So. Wow. <laughs> so that goes to tell you how bad the last three years have yeah. been. Yeah. So for once, I would kind of just like some good free agent signings, you know, guys who maybe, I don't know, make a positive impact, don't get cut. Through the season, like LJ Fort, I know he went on to have success, but still, they didn't keep him. Uh, or Will Parks. Like, can we get some people in here who stay with the team, who are good? Like, and especially... The Broncos linebacker that got cut during camp. Uh, Corey Nelson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do something <laughs> shrewd, though, for once. Like, I, you don't need to have a ton of cap space and, like, make a big, flashy signing. And, like, like that's great, but... Like, make a smart move. Like, do something, like, you know what I mean? Like, try to do, like, an undervalued move. Something that's like, oh, this was actually a smart pickup. Um, a guy, that's what they need to do, ideally, I think, in this free agency. <laughs> what? <laughs> their, their game plan, plan should be to make smart make moves. Make a smart move for once. But, like, a shrewd move <laughs> is what I'm talking about. You know, like, something that's not, like, obvious. Something. There was a guy. <laughs> there was a guy at the Senior Bowl one year. It was a uh, oh, who was who was coaching them. It was a defensive line coach for whatever team was coaching the Senior Bowl that year. Me and Tommy were watching him, and he just he was yelling at the defensive linemen going through the drills. He was like, "Run faster! <laughs> <laughs> hit hit harder!" <laughs> Tommy Lawler, by the way, for those who don't know, um, <laughs> make smarter moves, Howie. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's me right now. It is a good strategy. I do agree that is a good strategy that they should make smarter moves. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Such a jerk. Um, something, but like something that's not obvious. You know what I mean? Like something that's like. Yeah, I get it. Out of the box. Like, you, like when's the last time you ever actually like, surprised you? Oh, I didn't, I didn't thought of that. That's a good idea. Like something, like find a guy <laughs> who might be undervalued and get him on a good deal and like yes. get him playing well and either keep him as a long term piece. That would be nice. Or like, hey, maybe there's someone. I, I don't – so, I mean, I really don't know how much this applies in the NFL, but I kind of think back to – and I don't even know if this is a good example because I'm not a baseball guy in terms of – I mean, I like baseball. I like the Phillies. But uh, I remember the Phillies once upon a time when, like, they weren't really – they're still, like, rebuilding. They signed uh, Howie Kendrick, I believe it was. And, like, okay. they signed him not because they thought he was going to be this core piece. They signed him because he didn't get the market that people thought he would. And – the Phillies, you know, signed him with the attention, like, we're going to bring him in and we're going to hope he can kind of be good here and then we'll be able to flip him for something in the future. So mm-hmm. I almost wonder if the Eagles can kind of do that, whether it's making a signing and then maybe trading him before the deadline this year, like if they can kind of get someone right. like that, or if it's someone who they can bring in and it can help them out in the future, in theory, depending on how they play the comp pick game, like someone who can help, you know, your, your comp, or you can keep them, ideally. You know, ideally, at the best case scenario is a long-term piece for you. But like things like that, I think they, they need to kind of take advantage. And I say that now as opposed to just any off se- or any yeah, off season or, or season because, you know, we're not expecting the Eagles to be all in Super Bowl contenders this year. So they kind of have the luxury to kind of do that and kind of focus more so on, you know, building this thing up the right way and asset optimization than they are like trying to win at all costs. Yeah, like a good example of a like a really good free agent signing was Malcolm Jenkins back in the day. Like um he was, I mean, like I remember Pro Football Focus had like had him as like one of the worst safeties in the NFL, and as well, okay, well, sure, of course he is because he's playing Larry Fitzgerald man to man in the slot, while like other safeties are are able to play like you know half the field on the back end, and they have just far easier assignments. And the Eagles saw a fit with him uh, in the defense here, and you know as a guy that like could play safety but also could drop down the slot cover slot receivers at the time maybe not less so more recently but uh he wound up being one of the one of their best signings ever as did brandon brooks after the aforementioned brandon brooks who had all the physical tools and traits uh but had that anxiety disorder and um the eagles were able to look past that help him um with that whereas the texans i guess had sort of given up on him because he had missed a game uh, or two i believe in Houston as a result of that. So they found sort of a, a player that, you know, had this, uh, we'll call it a side issue, I guess. Um, the Eagles embraced him and that, and they were able to get, um, a, you know, Pro Bowl player out of him. Any final thoughts to me? Uh, yes. Uh, I was excited for the weather this week. We had four straight days, including today. Uh, of nice weather. Unfortunately, it's going to be horrible again, which is fine for me because now it's free agency is going to heat up again and I am going to be stuck in my office uh, all day, most days. Anyway, um, excited for uh, the spring and to be able to go outside once again. You? I'm excited for some Eagles news that'll be coming. That's always fun to write about on BleedingGreenNation.com. Maybe the Eagles will do some things, Jimmy, that Surprise us a little. I don't know, but that would be kind of fun to see. You know, it's been slow since, you know, for, for a while now, the news cycle, as I've, we talked about, uh, and even what has come up hasn't really stuck. So that'll be good. That'll be fun. We'll have complete coverage of it all here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed 
BleedingYourNation.com, Jimmy's work at phillyvoice.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowden. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out the SB Nation NFL show. We have a lot of good content on there, especially with free agency coming up. Uh, the Oddcast is always on Tuesdays. Rob Stats Guerrera and myself do that. It's a lot of fun. Got to get stats on this feed sometime when it makes sense. Um, check out BGN on Locker Room. You can follow my just search Brandon Gowden on the Locker Room app. Only available for iOS right now. Sorry to our Android friends. Uh, Seamus and I have been doing live chats there every week. We do post about it on bleedinggreennation.com to tell you when they are. So, And we're going to try to get Jimmy in there sometime because uh, his star power will attract millions of people, and that'll be fun. So uh, do all that. And also check out Right to Sell on Craft Turkey by going to righttosellon.com using discount code. What is it, Jimmy? BGN15. That's right. Just, just wanted to see if you knew. That would be pretty bad <laughs> if you didn't know. BGN15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Do it. And... We don't know exactly what the schedule will look like for BGN Radio next week. We'll, we'll podcast when there's big news to talk about or, or news to talk about. Uh, and then until next time. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. <laughs>